Oh, dude, I'm just so glad I got that pee story off my chest. Woo! It was a it was a clean story with dirty um, intention. <laughs> <laughs> you top shelf boring pockets welcome to your fifth episode and fifth cocktail quenching both your unquenchable insatiable thirst for knowledge or a type of distilled alcoholic beverage made from fermented grain mash aka whiskey sip make your dry lips slicker on golden brown liquor and flick your white collar the motherfucking middle finger bird with whiskey wednesdays with wham bam cam or if you are feeling efficient, whisk weds. Welcome, you amateur drinking, glass half fucking full clinking, and professional free thinking listeners. Time to tune out the aimless noise and turn up your shameless boys. Falsetto and Wham Bam Camp. We offer Whiskey Wednesday wisdom here to the drums of your ear. Come unmolested so your ears we can molest. With our bass-laden masculine voices, these oral pleasures. Unwind with Wham Bam Cam and me, that sobering daily grind. With a comrade and cocktail of choice. Relax, sip slow, and allow into your ears these Chemohawk Sessions wavelengths to flow. Cheers, audience. Welcome to Fifth Wednesday, Whiskey Wednesdays with Wham Bam Cam, Wild Turkey Whiskey. Welcome to this wild Caribbean jerky seasoned turkey whiskey Wednesdays with Wham Bam sister fucking camp. How are you, Bros of Stalin? Fucking fantastic. How about you? If I could learn the difference between minimize and maximize on my notes, I would be <laughs> I would be outstanding. I'm, outstanding. There it is. <laughs> I, I would say I'm somewhere between instanding and outstanding. Like a belly button that's an innie. Those creepy Ugh. fuckers that have an Audi. Yeah, I don't I don't I avoid them. Ugh. Like the plague. When I was on those dating websites, you know, that was one of my three questions. Like, do you have an Audi belly button? <laughs> Is your kid more attractive than you? If so, provide their contact information. And three, uh, no cankles. Okay, this is a no cankle zone. If a girl does not look good in, in heels, then, you know, she's getting a heel. Boom. I'm so glad you clarified because I was going to ask what were those other two questions. <laughs> <laughs> I thought to tell you while it's still fresh in your mind and you had no time to prep. Oh. Wham Bam got a special. Thanksgiving shout out today on one of my Chemo Hawk Sessions shorts episodes. And I just wanted to ask you while it's still fresh, what is the initial knee jerk, raw, unadulterated feeling that you get when you receive a shout out in a virtual medium that will be there for all time? Like it will be on the internet for the rest of your life, my life, and then another 50 years after that. How do you feel? How does that make you feel? I used to not like things like that. I'm, I was just like you. You explain it in the short. But as time has passed, and I think about like a legacy that I may be leaving behind, well, then that's just another legacy. Like that's not something I slid twenty bucks under the table to you to say it was twenty five. But that's a long like, arm, my you, friend. That's right. What fourteen hundred miles? Fifteen hundred miles? I think that's, it's twelve. Twelve flat. That's an give or take. unsolicited compliment or something. Something that you're saying nice about somebody that you said it. I don't get to choose if you did. I don't get to choose how you say it. I accept that. It's awesome. Uh, it's nice to know that I'm, you know, I can make an impact out there. You're important to me, Falsetto, as well. 
just so that our audience allies understand. Yeah, I used to not like them, but the last few years or so, like I just I take them like you know, appreciate it. Well, absolutely, man. Thank you for that kind and candid response. I was just talking about this the other day. I thought that it's it's so funny to me that if an attractive female, for example, takes a few stalking approaches to get to know you, let's say, like you walk out to your vehicle in the work parking lot, and this girl is just sitting on your hood. Well, if she's really attractive, and maybe you've met her once or twice, and, she, and you get kind of a halfway decent vibe from her, that's really not creepy. It's not stalking. It's, it's almost like invited, if not encouraged. But if the girl is dog ugly, and she's doing that same shit, you're probably going to pretend like that's not your car. You know, you're just you're just going to walk to that Mercedes and try to finagle your way in the fucking door. I was saying, yeah. I was like, you know, if the person's attractive, it's funny what they can get away with. But if they're just dog ugly, or even if they just are average looking, you're real quick to say like, all right, what the fuck is that? Okay, that's kind of weird. Like, why did you start 69? I heard a story once, or some people were talking once, they said the, the difference between Fifty Shades of Grey, the book being creepy or smash hit that it is, uh, is how much money the guy makes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. The money, and it's funny because remember you were ta- you were talking to me this other day about how those guys uh, have those little gags on YouTube. They're probably like in their early to mid twenties, and they'll be at their, I think they're in like L.A. or Long Beach or something, and there'll be a skit where a guy's filming this other guy walking across the parking lot, and he sees a couple of babes walking. He's walking north, they're walking south, and you know they're in bikinis or whatever. He's like, "Hey, um, you ladies interested in getting a Jimmy John sandwich later?" Walk into like some ten year old Honda Civic, and they're like, "Oh no, we don't think so." He's like, "Okay, cool." And then he walks right past the Honda Civic and he does the chirp chirp and it's like a Lamborghini or the doors open completely up towards the sky. Uh, and they do a double take and they, they start kind of slowly walking their way back to and they're like, Hey, so like, what's your name? It's like, mm hmm. It's bullshit. Total bullshit. So has anyone, I mean, I know it's, we're, we're trying to be gender neutral here, but can you think of a time where you were at a bar and somebody of the same sex or the opposite sex offered to buy you a drink with no strings attached? Has that ever happened to you? A stranger. No. Okay. No. I'm not pretty enough. <laughs> I find that if you walk in with a machete and you start banging it on the bar really loud and screaming, people will buy you all kinds of things to get you to shut up. Yeah. You get all the free things at that point. I will admit that there were three separate instances where I was at uh, a place that either sold alcohol or it was just a straight up bar. And three guys offered to buy me a drink with the condition that it was, oh, thank you for your service. Well, I think it's because I had a shaved head and I had a white button up t-shirt. So I guess I looked military. I've actually gotten that a lot. There's been about <laughs> 10 people in my life that just thought I was in the military. Or MMA fighter. I've gotten that too. Every time, you know, I declined. I said, hey man, if you want to buy me a drink, that's cool. But no, I have not served one day in the US of A. I have not. Oh. Well, stop pretending then, asshole. Oh yeah, that's right. I am wearing a shirt that says, I served. Now serve right. me. And serve yeah. my ass, bitches. They, they misconstrued what Fallen Valor is, but whatever. <laughs> I thought that was a, I thought that was a gin. Um, yeah. Okay, let's do a cheers. Uh, hold up your um, your drink, Ooh. your dominant hand there. Oh, uh, there's going to be a story there. And we're going to go cheers for Thanksgiving Eve, audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and pal eyes and everyone in between. Okay, so we'll, uh, after that little visual of seeing that little thimble that you just drank from, how about we jump right into Lord of the Poor? Why don't you start us off, per usual? Why don't you tell us what you're drinking and what you're drinking it in? Or Absolutely. Yeah, Lord of the Poor. Uh, what I'm drinking will be a quicker story than last time. It's the holiday time. It's a little special. So, kicking off the holidays for me with Johnny Walker Blue. Oh, um, yeah, man. Also, a little, little bit of celebrating. I got that job that I wanted at work. So, that was officially announced this week. Pretty excited about that. So, I bought that bottle in celebration and with the intent that the holidays are upcoming. Got some Johnny Walker Blue. Didn't drink Johnny Walker Blue until seven, eight years ago 
when you introduced me to Supernatural. And as we're watching... Rufus! Rufus. Rufus. That is exactly what that episode was called, because I looked it up. Uh, that first episode was uh, season three, and it was called Time is on My Side. So Dean is needing the help. Bobby sends Dean to go find Rufus, but he tells Dean, he goes, you got to take him a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. And so Rufus doesn't want to help Dean when Dean is asking for him for help until he presents that wonderful bottle and they get drunk and then he ends up helping him. I thought it was a great thing, but it made me want to have Johnny Walker Blue because of that episode. And so that was the first time I ever had it. Had a couple other bottles throughout that time till now. That is the reason I got it. Uh, But I did look up a little bit of history on it. Johnny Walker Blue was established in 1867 and the intent behind it was that they wanted it to be called kind of the old Highland whiskey, which would mean it's supposed to have like a flavor indicative of all four corners of Scotland. Johnny Walker Blue is supposed to be the overarching flavor of whiskey from Scotland. So I thought that was kind of cool when I was I was researching that today. Now, keeping it across the pond, this is actually a shot glass. <laughs> with um, a handle. With a handle. And I had a buddy when I still worked at Habitual Offender who would travel the world. He'd go, go on a huge trip every summer for about a month. He did a Euro trip and he spent about a week and a half in Germany. And this is a, and it'd be hard for you to see. And unfortunately, our, our allies won't be able to see it, but etched into it and it is raised. Like you can tell it's not printed on there. It is the Castle Munich from Germany. And it was actually bought like at the castle. This is one of my favorite shot glasses. I rarely ever use it but I thought this was a good occasion to pull it down and uh, and put it together with some Johnny Walker blue. Wow. And it's, it's blue. It appears to have it some is. blue. Okay. It does. Yep. yep. Well, <laughs> just remember, audience, that when you travel on a Euro trip, make sure you avoid the Euro trash. I distinctly remember that season, that episode. Yeah, he's, he goes to talk to Rufus, and he's standing in the doorway, and Rufus has a camera uh, scanned on him, and they're talking through the speaker of the camera, and he's like, what do you want? Go away. And then he pulls it out of the brown paper sack. He's like, well, I, I brought you something. And he's like, yep. come in. <laughs> that was a good one. I was always curious about Johnny Walker Blue. Now, Johnny Walker ma- makes several different. They make a red. Oh, yeah. They make a green. They made a green. Then they stopped the green. Then they came back with the green. They make a Johnny Walker Black. The red and the black tend to be the cheaper. I don't like the double black. It's too smoky. But that blue, man, it's about $200. Yeah, the cheapest it's, I've it's seen is one. like 170 yeah. But man, I also heard that it's really good shit. And I'm not kidding when I say I thought... Gentleman Jack was smooth. <laughs> no, Johnny Walker Blue is so smooth. It's like drinking like a warm sake filled lemonade. It just goes down with no problem. There is a huge difference in the kick I was receiving last week with that Four Roses to this. Like, man, I could down the bottle right now if I wanted. That would make the episode, the rest of this episode, very interesting. Hence why I'm using a shot glass to portion control right now. <laughs> man, compared to your elixir from the non god gods, I'm basically drinking honey badger urine, okay? This is just wild turkey, same as last week, because it's Whiskey Wednesday, wild turkey whiskey, and so I'm just drinking, you know, some more wild turkey. This has previously been addressed. I wish it was wild turkey 101, but it's just the standard 80 proof. What are you going to do? But man, compared to you, this is a speed bump on the highway (laughs) to the flavor of choice that you selected this week. That is sweet sauce. As it is Thanksgiving, very, very soon, by the time this episode is actually posted, it will be Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a national holiday, and it's actually celebrated in a shit ton of places. United States, Canada, Granada, St. Lucia, Liberia. Huh, who the fuck knew? It began as a day of giving thanks for the blessing of the harvest. No, no, this is not harvesting organs, although I guess it could be, because you know back in the day they would make religious sacrifices. 
similarly named festival holidays occur in Germany and Japan. You just spoke of Germany. That's two German references in five seconds. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving is celebrated on the fourth Thursday of November in the United States and around the same part of the year in other places. Although Thanksgiving has historical roots in religion and cultural traditions, it has long been celebrated as a secular holiday as well. Now, when I celebrate Thanksgiving, Wayne Bam Cam, it has nothing to do with the Lord and everything to do with me, as far as I'm concerned. So I, I guess I would consider it to be secular uh, for, for purposes of this household. Prayers of thanks and special Thanksgiving ceremonies are common. The Thanksgiving holiday's history in North America is rooted in English traditions dating from the Protestant Reformation. Now, the English get a bad rap because of slavery, some other things. When I think of England, I think of slavery and I think of bad teeth. But I know there's a lot of good there. And I actually expect that to be my next abroad trip is I want to go to London, fucking England. And I want to be oh, around yeah. all those Londoners and those Brits. I also want to go to places where Irish car bombs were detonated. The annual Thanksgiving holiday tradition in the United States is documented as early as 1619 in what is now called the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, I am fairly close to Virginia. I can cross the Virginia state lines in about an hour and 40 minutes. The more familiar Thanksgiving precedent is traced to the Pilgrims and the Puritans who immigrated from England in the 1620s and 1630s. They brought their previous tradition of days of fasting and days of Thanksgiving. The 1621 Plymouth, Massachusetts Thanksgiving was prompted to be a good harvest. The Pilgrims celebrated this with the Wampanoags, a tribe of Native Americans who, along with the last surviving Patukeks, had helped them get through the previous winter by giving them food and that time of scarcity in exchange for an alliance of protection against the rival Narangansett tribe. I'll tell you, man, nothing against Native Americans, but if we had not been victorious in our battles with them and they were running the show, I don't know if I could have gotten through grade school. Because these names, yeah. these names are fucking rough. You know what I like? The name George Washington. It's spelled as it sounds. You take a gander at this Narangatset shit, okay? There's so many consonants in there in a row. It's enough to give you some glaucoma in the eyes. As President of the United States, George Washington, ah, I just mentioned him, proclaimed the first nationwide Thanksgiving celebration in America, marking November 26, 1789, as a day of public Thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God and calling to Americans to unite and most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. There is a real problem with people talking about our slaughtering of the inhabitants of this land, okay? People that are born today or that were born in the last, say, 25 years, so these Gen Zers, these Gen Ayers, they spend more time talking about how we butcher people or we've butchered people historically than just about any other topic. But for those of you rabble-rousing, iconoclasting sons of whores, oh, I know Wham Bam loves it when I drop the whore word, who seek to take a big blanketing shit all over historical figures, well, here is a contemporary fuck you. By definition, you are judging those in the past. One, seeing 2020 in retrospect is a luxury that they were not able to possess. And two, the information that you have received, that you would die on that hill of, was likely cobbled together over centuries and assembled by distant, Hearsay accounts, at best, does not firmly place you in a position to judge, now does it? And shitballs, even if I said judge away, you still have the looming issue of judge not lest ye be judged to haunt your Puritan Quaker flawless fucking self. Mm. All that to say, dude, when people talk about things that happened in the past, I listen to them, I grant them audience, but in my mind I'm thinking, I don't fucking know. I don't know how the world formed. I don't know where alligators came from. I don't fucking know. But these people that talk about these things like they're some type of an authority, I'll grant they know more than I do, but they don't know what happened. I mean, they sure as shit weren't there. Unless they built a fucking dock time machine. I'm just cautious, man. I'm very cautious about everything that I'm told. Absolutely, dude. Like, you hit it right on the head. Like, even as you were talking, they have hindsight. 
it's easier to be on the, the righteous side of an argument when you're 200 years away from the incident that happened. And absolutely, it took 30, 40, 50 years for these so-called subject matter experts, these historians to, to compile all of this. And at the end of it, it's still an assumption. They could have missed one big piece of evidence that's still buried in the ground somewhere, some artifact that completely shifts the entire story. It also draws me back to a saying that our allies, yourself, we're probably all pretty familiar with is history is written by the victor. We wrote it. There has to be some grain of truth to it because we're saying we slaughtered all these people. If we're trying to manipulate anybody, we never would have had it in these history books, right? We'd have been like, oh yeah, they handed it over to us with a corn cob pipe and we smoked it and, and everything was hunky-dory. Like, and we moved to the West and, and we let the white man take over. We're a little upfront about it. So there's got to be a grain of truth in it. But on the other side of it, how much of this is still an assumption? How much of this is a guess? Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, like with perspective, because growing up, I had always been told that it, it was the refined white man versus the savage. Like that's kind of mm. how it was painted. But as a kid, I wanted to be an Indian. I thought the feathers and the hair shooting bows and arrows going, oh, I thought that was a hell of a lot cooler than shooting a six shooter with my goatee, with my little Sam Elliott Western beard. I always thought it was cool to be the Indian. Then, you know, you run around the middle of the day with paint on your face and war paint and you got the head of feathers and people start looking at you like you're a little nuts. So that's when you throw a hatchet at them. That's right. Get, get, give, them, give them the old tomahawk. <laughs> you give them the tomahawk. Did I ever tell you that story? That, that It's called the, what I call the Starbucks tomahawk story. Did I ever tell you that? Potentially, but let's share it for the allies here. You're right. It's not just you and me talking. There's a that's whole right. audience out there. They want to hear it. They want to hear it. I was at Starbucks. This is a lifetime ago. And I was standing in the lobby. I was mopping because I would, I would rather do anything than serve customers. I'll be out there in the middle of the sun, squeegeeing the fucking windows Hell like yeah. all the way from the ground <laughs> to about 10 feet up. I was squeegee every one of those window panes and I don't care if it took me two hours. I just wanted to avoid the customers. There I was, I was mopping and I had, I was talking to my, my man, Gigi, and I was talking to another guy whose name eludes me at the moment. We're being silly. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about terms that we learned on Wikipedia. And I was like, Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Were you with that girl last night? Well, did you give her the donkey punch? He's like, nah, nah, man. I didn't give her the donkey punch. I gave her the Houdini. And we're like, oh, you gave her the Houdini. Well, then Mike Jones waddles over. And oh, he just, he, and the thing is, it makes it funny and disturbing because of who he was. He was about a 130 pound, pasty pale, tattoos all over his body, big lamb chops. He was a very ska oriented musical aficionado. He really liked the ska. He was very rebellious. And he said, Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard you guys talking just now. Have you ever given a girl the tomahawk? What the fuck's that? He's like, oh, well, um, you know, you, you take your girl and, you know, you're doing her, you know, doggy style. And then you just hit her with a tomahawk and kill her. And we're like, uh, and then he just walks away. He just walks in. He just walks into the back of the, of the office. And we're like, I don't know if he's kidding. I, did he understand that we were just using made up terms? So yeah, man. The last time that was the last time anybody saw Mike Jones, right? The last time anybody saw Mike Jones. <laughs> and, and an unrelated story, two tomahawks were missing from the local Cherokee Museum. I don't know, man, but that's a fucked up individual right there. Jeez, man. That's yeah, I know. It's, it's true story, though. The, the best stories are true. They are. So have you thought of anything else that old Wham Bam would do if he was the the president, judge, jury, and executioner of the great country of the US of A? Anything you do to make things better, cleaner, safer? I'll be honest with you on that one, man. I hadn't thought about it since last week. No, that's fine. That's fine. It's just sometimes these thoughts come to you, you know, like I was driving around the other day and I noticed a lot of decrepit buildings. I noticed some, you know how you get like closer to downtown and you'll see those whole just plots of land where it's just homes that time forgot. They're either completely uninhabited or they're just, it's a cracked in, you know. And I was thinking if I was 
president slash dictator. Well, president for purposes of the puppet democracy and then like the real dictator. My first order of business, when I would send out squads of people, they wouldn't be wearing like big brown or black boots. They would just be dressed like, you know, Mormons, like not very scary, just kind of annoying. And they'd have little pocket protectors and they'd have a clipboard, you know, to like to lull people into a sense of safety. And they would say, okay, here's the deal. Prove that this home is owned by you. And then they would. And they would say, okay, listen, your home is in shambles. So what we want to do is we want to demolish it so that it's no longer an attractive nuisance. So we're going to pay you fair market value and, and then you leave. And then we're going to destroy this home. Now, if they refuse that, well, then you pull the whole, you know, eminent domain shit and you get them out anyway. You cannot have in areas that you actually care about, areas that you want to have like safety and you want your kids to grow up in or you want to walk your doggy. You can't have all of these rotten, crumbling, dangerous homes. The doors are gone. There's nothing left. They're, you know, 80 to 120 years old. Nobody lives there. They become havens and they become dens of sin and iniquity. They have to get rid of all that shit. So I say, get rid of all the decrepit homes, all the attractive nuisances, clean up the city and make things look more presentable. Because one of the things I learned in college was they call it the broken windows theory. But basically, if you're walking around a neighborhood, say you want to buy a house. If you're walking around a neighborhood and you're seeing a bunch of feces on the ground, graffiti, broken windows, i.e. broken window theory, the assumption is that there's no law presence there. If there was a legitimate presence or if there was like a law enforcement presence, that shit would be cleaned up. It wouldn't be tolerated. So the idea is that if you're, if you're in a community that has a lot of broken windows, it's like kibble to the criminal element. Got to take care of your environment and you got to get rid of all those attractive nuisances. So that's what I would do. But man, <laughs> this day and age, that wouldn't last five minutes. You'd have people with their, their smartphones videoing it saying, look what these motherfuckers are doing to my home. This is my yeah, home. And right. it wouldn't last. It wouldn't work. But I'm telling you, that's what I would do. First order of business. <laughs> if it's not clean, it gets weaned. It gets weaned the fuck out. That's right. Which wean? Wean reminds me of lean. Lean reminds me of this topic that you and I really enjoy talking about, which is how to be efficient. I'm going to tell you, and this is a little teaser. Well, it's a teaser for the audience. It's a pleaser for you, my good man. But I will have you on soon for yeah. an upcoming white collar black belt session where we talk solely about efficiency, how to be efficient at work, how to be efficient at life. Per usual, I will send you an email with some thoughts to think about so that you come prepared. As a little preface to that, when I see things or I hear stories of people that were acting inefficiently, it really annoys the shit out of me, man. Can you give me an example of someone that was doing something that was just upside down stupid or retarded and you fixed it? You fixed it for them and they thanked you. Can you think of an example? Can you think of an example of that? The entirety of my last year in my career. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. Of course. And I, and I, figured, I figured you have ample uh, example. Oh man, let's see. One that sticks out to me is we have this task over. It's like a virtual call center, but we're not. Things come in through like a, a digitized queue, and then associates execute the task for for these locations across the United States. One of these specific tasks required, in my opinion, way too much Lean Six Sigma. You call it waste. Uh, which, as you identified, waste is something that is non-value added to the customer. If they don't care about that step, they're not going to pay for that step in the process. It's waste. We had this process that had waste steps in it, which included sometimes you'd have to sit around and wait for approvals to come in from a few different folks. Sometimes they weren't near their computer to give these approvals. So we just sit there. So we pulled data for about six months on all of these tasks, and every single one of them, not one of them, was ever denied. Every single time they were approved. So it's like, why is this approvals process even a part of this? And so with that data, we were able to make a statement to senior leadership and regional leadership, and they were able to remove that. And so that task is done so much quicker now. I want to say the average time of that task was like 12, 13 minutes, and now it's like five. 
stupid quick. So that's probably one of the ones I'm most proud of um, because that was a huge reduction in in waste for a process there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And and see that that type of experience is invaluable because you can use those concrete examples in interviews. You can use them in other circumstances. It's it's kind of like when they say, well, a manager, and I, I disagree with this in my former bomb shelter of a company, but they would say things like, a manager doesn't have to understand the product. All he has to understand is how to manage people. Okay, that's retarded. Because you have to, one, secure the respect of those people that you're taking under your wing. And Absolutely. they're going to come to you with procedural questions. And if you're constantly doing the, I don't know, let me consort with my colleagues. Fuck you, Camo. I think that it is true, though, that if you have these situational examples of when you were able to show someone a more efficient approach, that does apply to other facets because it's a way of thinking, you know, like you either have an efficient way of thinking or you don't. And it sounds like you're someone who has an efficient way of thinking. That's going to make your life easier. I, I would sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Because if you're the spokesman, that's like that's like you're the spokesman for clean living and you're seen with like a cigarette uh, dipped in tar and turpentine. And you're like, what? I'm all fooled. <laughs> when we do these Whiskey Wednesdays, part of me feels this compulsion to just cover a shit ton of material. But then I stopped while I was sitting there on the toilet. Because that's when I do most of my, my best thinking, right? Well, that's efficient. No distractions. Exactly. It's always peeing in the shower. Now, I'll tell you that when I'm sitting there, though, and I have a moment to myself, a moment of clarity, I said, Falsetto, you don't have to touch on 500 topics. Because as far as you know, as far as Wham Bam knows, there's no upper limit to the quantity of these Whiskey Wednesdays we can have. It's yeah. not like, this is a 10-part miniseries. When we get to the 10th part, we're going to have to start a new miniseries. No, no, no. This is a mini bar. And as long as we can find new liquor to pull out of that mini bar, we can oh, yeah. go as long as we want. That was a really crafty analogy. I liked that. <laughs> you sorry, okay? Sorry, that was, <laughs> that's, that's what Othello does when I'm petting him and I get a little too close to his gonads. Yeah. Now, so Othello is actually... Attention, audience. Attention. Othello is in the room with me. He is sitting in the Barco lounger. He is not looking in my direction. Now, Wham Bam, will you ever bring your fare to choice into the room to help you podcast? Will that ever happen? Uh, I can probably do it once, but there's way too much stuff in here. I don't want... Uh, uh, the ferrets, they are a burrowing creature. They will dig into things. They will bury themselves. They will tear crap up. Ugh. So you got you to gotta be careful. I dated a girl like that in high school. My, yeah, but that was a fun time. <laughs> this room is my sanctuary. We discussed before we clicked record today. There's no girls allowed or anything like that. This, nope. is, this is my room. Mm-mm. So I, I try to keep the uh, the animals out. But who knows? Maybe one day Mulan or Draco, those are my ferrets' names, will make an appearance. Who knows? You just said no women allowed, and that made me think. I- I'm trying to coin two new expressions. Oh. So, so you and I'm, I'm going to somehow incorporate this maybe into a future session, or I don't even know what the fuck. You've heard the term feminist, right? Yes. Well, I think that term should be replaced with fema pissed. Because usually the feminist is pissed. So femipist. Also, for chauvinist, like a male chauvinist, usually followed by pig. And that's so unfair. It's always a male chauvinistic pig. But then for women, it's just, oh, oh, they're a feminist. No, no, no. You need to be like, they're a pissed feminist PMS or something to even out the score, right? What's funny about this is for the male chauvinist, it should be like chauvacist or something. Like they're just like a cyst on your ass. You know, you can't get rid of them. So I'm just, I'm thinking I'm playing with it. I'm playing mm. with it. And that actually got me thinking about something else. So, you know, you make fun of me for being an, an Irish leprechaun dickbag. <laughs> and I make fun of you for being a, a Czech former USSR son of a bitch. But mm. it's funny because we make fun of each other. There's slang terms for every culture. I mean, if you want oh, yeah. to laugh yourself oh, yeah. next year's oblivion, 
just look up like uh, Urban Dictionary and then find a term for every race, every creed, everything. But I was just thinking how funny it is that people take exception with all of these pejorative, culturally unfriendly words. People don't like the word wetback, for example. That's clearly a word that inflames and it angers people. But nobody ever says anything about calling people white fucking trash. You're calling them human garbage. You just called that person trash. You, and, and not only that, but you connected a race to it. White trash. You are white trash. You're a white trash piece of shit. And nobody, and I mean nobody, ever says, I take offense to that. <laughs> and it's so specific. Like, you can smell a white trash person by that visual, right? Like, you're like, yeah. uh, I, want some uh, of that, I want some of that pecan pie. Never mind. Never mind. I smell white trash. I don't, I don't want that. But nobody ever gets on any of these news stories or any of these social media postings. Nobody's ever saying, um, I would like to add the term white trash because I find that to be offensive. <laughs> but that never happens. I just thought that was kind of odd. Just thinking about that. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. If someone called me that, I'd probably just laugh. Like, I don't know. That's just kind of the person I am. Like, you spoke to, like, me and you pick on each other pretty hardcore. Hell, and some people may go, well, you have known each other for almost a decade now. Okay, well, we did that pretty early on into the friendship as well. So, like, I, I think, that's just the yeah. kind of people we are. We just don't care and we think it's funny. I don't know. I think it started something like, I was like, hey, hey, fuckbag, do you want this this old, crusty blueberry muffin that's probably as crusty as your aunt? And you said, I don't know. I don't know, falsetto, but your haircut makes you look like your mother fucked a monkey. And then we just right. kind of we just kind of went from there. So That's right. <laughs> good times, man. <laughs> Those are some good times. Which, okay, I have enough time for this um, before we jump into our next segment. Thank you, Zoom. Thank you for putting limitations on our happiness. Jeez. But I knew, I knew that the moment was true that you and I were going to be thick as thieves. And remember what I said last episode, wet weaves, right? right? You and I were talking about this song called Self-Conclusion. And your love for the spill canvas rivaled even my own. Oh, and yeah, they're really talking about it. And dude, just those lyrics, like 10 minutes before I got here, I was going to jump too. It is absolutely fucking fantastic. Oh. And along with self-conclusion, which we both love, I think the other top contender is the tide. The tide yes. is so good. Yeah, man. As soon as you said self-conclusion, I didn't even have to think. Like, I knew it was Bill Canvas. Um, I was actually just listening to them on Spotify the other day. which Like let several, me several songs of theirs or just a few? Oh, yeah. I, I put on Spill Canvas radio and it, it'll, it'll start playing other bands too, but... I went down that way, but self-conclusion, as soon as you started saying the lyrics 10 minutes before you got here, I, the chill went up my spine. Like The lyrics, that story, what it is actually going to come up, and I'm shifting some lessons around. It's actually going to be coming up pretty soon in one of mine. It was why I was listening to Canvas. You're saying that you're going to incorporate somehow, some way, some, some shape, some form, self-conclusion or something of the like into a, a future episode? Absolutely. Holy ballsack, that's, that, that's, man. That, that's the teaser. There I had been it on some my lap things, and I shot it. There have been some things that have happened in my life or have affected my life in the last year or so that I need to get off my chest. And I think I can pass some of what I learned going through majority on my own, some of these struggles uh, to to the allies to, to help out. And that song and a couple of others and some other examples and, and stories that I have to tell. Save your life in a way? Basically. Alternative rock and emo and screamo. They get a bad rap sometimes. I hear Absolutely. like, so people that love rap or people that love country or people that love the T-Swift pop and all that. Generally, it's kind of like people assuming that everyone from Texas has a mustache and drives a horse, right? It's just the assumption going around. Now, to be fair, we're called uneducated inbreds, but we are known for being hos- hospitable, right? Our hospitality is second to none. Absolutely. It's like, right. does, but does that make up for the fact that you just called me a horse fucking retard? Like, I don't. But anyways, <laughs> all that to say, though, that I feel like sometimes emo gets a bad rap. But mm-hmm. if you if you look at the lyrics and you read oh, yeah. the lyrics 
what it is is it's it's like a masculine expression of emotion because you know when men express emotion sometimes it comes off as a little weird but to be masculine and to have emotion all in one is, is quite a feat to pull off so i can tell you that when i was going to college this girl she was a cool girl i, I wish that we'd stayed in touch but she introduced me to hawthorne fucking heights and dude hawthorne heights is legit shit they had oh, yeah. a lot of good songs and if you listen if you want to talk about chills you listen to their three songs on uh nikki fm or whatever where they have uh, like silver bullet and they do them acoustic or they slow them Ooh. way down Ooh. oh dude that'll nice. put some that'll put some taws on you darren like from uh, snatch brad pitt is spiky but i like it man i, I when i heard self-conclusion which got a lot of radio play on 94.5 and oh, houston yeah. and some other places i was hooked instantly i also like their song break a lake yes but they don't have a huge digest of great songs i don't think i've only listened to like maybe two albums worth but it's self-conclusion yeah. and the tide break a lake those are i think their pinnacle Th them at their summit for sure but i don't know well because it's that whole album that i like one fell swoop that's the yep, name of the yep. album that that whole album is a digest of wonderful songs from them and then every other album that they've had there's there's like one or two but for me one fell swoop it came out in 2002 amazing so palais go listen to one fell swoop and as we're talking about you said this you know emo is like the, the man's way of like expressing some emotion absolutely it was never a phase mom as i know she's listening and she knows that it was never a phase i just got pulled into the workforce pretty early so i had to be that professional emo i mean even right now i can bring my hair over and kind of have a little little emo look but i want to bring up chester bennington from lincoln park like right, his songs from the very beginning were nothing but emotion and rooted in things that actually happened to him in his life. And it was his way of expressing. Unfortunately, never received the help that he needed or never asked for it. That's still kind of up in the air there for that. But it can be a way of expressing that. Uh, you just got to be careful. If you're getting the help that you need, then you'll be fine. I heard similar tales about uh, Jonathan Davis from Corn. Yep. And I know that a lot of that stuff is fucked up and it's coming from a very realistic fucked up place. But man, you know, Corn, man, I remember I was in late middle school, early high school, and Corn Follow the Leader came out. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Audience, I thought that I had quite an eclectic digest of music. But then I meet this motherfucker and we drive <laughs> we, we drive to Six Flags Asteroid or Six Flags over Texas, whatever the fuck. They're all different. But yeah. He's like, Oh yeah, here, pick something. And he throws me his iPod and I'm like, Okay, there's there's six thousand songs on here. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And, it's and not I, wrong. I, I picked a random, I just picked a random selection and it was, it was Willie Nelson and then it was T Swift and then it was Hailstorm, oh, yeah. Flyleaf, which Flyleaf hails from Temple and Temple is not that far from Bruce Valetti, if I recall. Yep, that is correct. That is correct. Wow. I actually knew about Flyleaf growing up. Like they were huge in our area. It was, it was great. Dude, Lacey from Flyleaf, uh, their, oh, yeah. their, their acoustic album of all the big hits, like, uh, yes, I'm yes. Fully alive or I'm, I'm alive. Or I'm so yeah. Alive. Like when, I'm so when sick. you, mentioned acoustics like taking a song back and, and doing an acoustic out of it man did those hit so much different like the emotion the the knowing what the original song was but when the the create because you get covers all the time people speed it up slow it down whatever but when the original musician takes it puts a spin on it and nine times out of ten that's an acoustic version or a stripped version right dude those those hit hard for me man i, I love them to death love them to death I will say that there is definitely a correlation and a causation between a good mental health and, and music volume of music that you're consuming. Because I distinctly remember in my early twenties, when I was working at Starbucks, I would just go on walks and I would bring my headphones. Well, I had a cell phone, but I was mostly listening to music on my iPod 
And I would just listen to music for hours. I would go bike ride and I would listen to music. And I, I was listening to a shit ton of music. And I, I remember just feeling better. Like I just, I had a better, yes. kind of yes. like the difference between mentally when you're in the clouds or when you're on a sunny day in your mind. I felt like I was having more sunny days. And I don't listen to music much anymore because sadly, well, it's, it's good and it's bad. It's a bittersweet silver lining type situation. But I used to make fun of people that listen to podcasts. So it worked. <laughs> I know, I know. Talk yep. about the pot calling Bro, the kettle no. a piece of shit. Same. I'm just saying it right now. Same. Well, my argument was, I said, look, like I've been talking to Lambro or some coworker and I'm like, hey, what are you listening to? They're like, oh, I'm listening to Bobby Bones or I'm listening to Joe Rogan. Okay. You have to talk to people all day on the phone. Your happy place, your escapism is you're listening to people fucking talk. No, I listen to music. I said nope. that for years. And then finally I said, you know what? I'm going to see what the big deal is. And I started with listening to podcasts about movie reviews. Like I picked my mm. favorite movies like John Wick, John Wick trilogy. Let me listen to guys talk about John Wick trilogy for three hours. And man, I was hooked. I would get to where I would look forward to that next movie review. I would look forward to that next TV episodic review of my favorite show. And before you know it, now I'm listening to podcasts on nature, how to survive an apocalypse, good business marketing practices, just how to be a better carbon-based life form. Yep. And so I, I started, but you can only listen to so much. Now that I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, your podcast, fuck knows how many other podcasts, <laughs> I don't listen to music anymore, really. Yeah. I mean, every once yeah. in a while, but it sucks. And I feel like when you're listening to people talk, even if what they're saying is uplifting or even if what they're saying is, you, you don't get that melody though. You know, you don't get that, yeah. that, that mathematical energy that's inherent music. So I don't know, but I, I do miss music. I miss listening to it for hours at a time. I'm with you, dude. It's why I wish, because I have a lot of, a lot of friends, especially since I've entered the podcasting world now. I got friends or, or people saying, oh, well, you need to listen to this person or you need to listen to this one. And I'm like, for me, I don't think I've, I've probably dropped how much music I listen by a little bit. It's such a huge pivotal piece of who I am. Like you said, listening to music. It makes you happy, right? I don't care what song I'm listening to. It can be the saddest song of the sadness. But if I really enjoy the song, the beat, the words, whatever like that, it makes me feel better. I've never been able to really kind of let that go. I severely restrict how many podcasts I listen to. Uh, that's how I how I get it done. Because again, I want to pay attention to the podcast too. Like, And I know you do too. We've talked about this. But yeah, I can't be hammering away at work and listening to your podcast. So like when you launched your short today and I message you back, dude, listening right now, I stepped away from the laptop and just put it on play. I was like, 20 minutes, done. I can do that, play. And just listened as I could so I could pay attention. Music, on the other hand, I could have it playing in the background while I'm typing, while I'm at the gym working out, whatever, right? So that's how I squeeze exactly. it in there. Exactly, yep. yep. It's something that you can do. It's kind of like a dumb, leisurely activity, especially if you've heard the song, Court is in session, verdict is in. It's like, I know the word Scott Stapp. I don't have to sing along. I just let me let your angry grunge rock just wash over me. That's right. Now, now let me ask, when you are at the gym, do you still listen to music? Like, is it kind of mix and match or do you, what do you primarily listen to? At the it's gym? 100, it's 100% music at the gym. Okay, good, um, I, good. Yeah, I, I built my own playlist on Spotify and crush whatever it is. Give me, uh, give me two, give me two or three songs that would appear on Wham Bam Cam's powerlifting podcast. I mean, his powerlifting so, music, his music list. It's called I Am the Hype. <laughs> That's what I called it. Fans of Dragon Ball Z will know the reference. That's why I, I called it that. The very first song that's on it is Try and Hold Me Back by Rob Bailey and the Hustle Standard. Very aggressive, very heart pumping. Another one. I got two more I want to tell you. So there's one called Lifted High by Valley of Wolves that I really, really enjoy. And then I just heard one song today that I just, I had to put it on really, really quick. It's called War on the Inside by Another Lost Year. I don't advertise it out there, but if, if people want to, it's it's a public Spotify playlist. It's, it's, so it's called I Am The Hype. You should be able to find it. It'll, it'll be under Wham Bam, believe it or not. So you'll be, able to, you'll be able to find it. 
Very cool. Can you play a musical instrument? I played guitar for a long, I self-taught, learned to play the guitar right at the end of high school and college. I haven't touched it in probably a decade at this point. Could probably pick it up and play a, a few songs. I was actually in a little country little band uh, through through college. We'd play some songs, do very cheap shows. I think the highest we each band member ever got paid was maybe $7 in free food. Uh, so um, mostly played at like church functions and, and things like that. But I got a little bit of musical background. I do more singing than anything else. Uh, that's another one of my, that's why I went into the audio field originally too. I was like, man, I want to be able to produce my own stuff. So here I am on the podcasting side. My wife keeps going, well, when are you going to start doing singing? You got all this high stuff, high value equipment now. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. Well, so. Well, now, first of all, first of all, we're going to say what I foresee is you grab your guitar, you start strumming along on that fucker. And then in addition to Whiskey Wednesdays, we have six strings, two guys. And while we're talking, you just start stringing and we'll turn our chat into a blues song like okay. do, 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 got fucked by my boss, do, 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 but I'm still a hoss. You know what I'm saying? Now, is that um, the uh, is that the season finale for for White Collar Black Belt? <laughs> You know, I don't know, man. It, it, I know that White Collar Black Belt will reach its terminus, and I will probably only reactivate it. I will only defibrillator it, because I don't know what the verb tense of defibrillator, I don't know, you defibrillator, medic. I mean, yeah, medic. medic would know. Medic, medic. tell us we, what, we what is your that? Opinion. It's probably not even that. It's probably like, what? We call it, we juiced him. We gave him the Dude, juice. What are you talking she, about? She's going to message me so fast when she hears this. She's going to be like, you are a dumbass. <laughs> like, yep, absolutely, I am. The second thing, though, is look at Jensen Ackles. So he dude, was a model dude. turned soap, soap opera turned actor. Now he's well for a while now he's been in his own little rock band. So Absolutely. you could dude. emulate Jensen Ackles in a way. I would love to emulate Jensen Ackles. <laughs> uh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, God, he just uh, I, forget, I forget what the name of the new one is that's coming out, but he he just got confirmed as the voice of Batman uh, for for the next animated movie they're doing again. So like they're doing uh, another they're, they're doing another animated Batman movie. What's what's the premise? So I forgot what the name it was. I, I saw it like very briefly on, on one of the social media. So I'll, I'll find it. I'll shoot it to you. But I remember seeing that he got confirmed for it again. So that's awesome. I remember when I first saw that he could say outside of some of the stuff he did in Supernatural, like right, sing right, a, a right. song or two, right? Like a serious singing. Allies can look it up if you haven't already. But when he sang Tennessee Whiskey, yep. I was like, I love you. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of what it was. So Jensen Ackles, man, that's a. Uh, mm, and mm, now, yeah. just so you know, Potty and Sam Allies, his voice has gifted us both the Red Hood, Under, Under the Red Hood, and he voiced Batman in Long Halloween. It was awesome. Okay. It was so awesome. I can't wait. They, they are, I will say this, they are still consistently making good animated Batman, or I guess just DC films. Yeah. And, and that, that yeah. has never, you would think that like other things that would get watered down. No, it hasn't. It's still amazing. Okay, so you're a thinker. Do you find that being a thinker sucks raccoon balls because for example okay i think about owning cats so i own two cats you own two dogs <laughs> two dogs two ferrets two dogs two ferrets and occasionally there'll be gerbils hamsters things of this nature. yeah yeah okay. that's, yeah absolutely when i nab these two cats off the streets from their natural environment at the time i was thinking purely selfishly oh it's cute i want it it belongs to me sense of entitlement see there'd be periods of time in there where I'm like, you know what? I'm a great fucking person. I'm a great human being because these cats would have either been run over, collected by some pagan worshipers during Halloween and slaughtered, or some kid that likes to pull wings off of a fly because they're sick twists would have fucked with these guys. 
So I'm thinking how wonderful I am, like how magnanimous I am for taking these cats and, and giving them air conditioning and, and all the water they can drink. But then I think harder and I'm like, but did I do the right thing? Because how would I like it if I was living on the streets and I had total freedom and some fucker grabbed me, put me in a van for the rest of my life. I was within a 1600 square foot apartment and I can look out the window, but that's as close as I'm going to get. I'm never getting outside these walls. It's for my own safety, they tell me. You know what that reminds me of? A fucking mental institution. To me, I think too hard, man. And I don't know. I do not know if collecting these cats, OJ and Othello, was the moral thing, was the right thing. I don't know because they never told me. Hey, thanks. Hey, bucko. Thanks for the nab. You know, I never, I'll never know. I don't know if it's the right thing or not. It's hard to know. I think it was definitely the right thing. That sense of joy, that sense of, oh my God, you're cute and I'm taking you home. My wife and I never planned any animal we got ever. It was, you're coming home with me. And, and, but and you're taking it from other people's homes, bro. So, no. So that was only our, <laughs> that was only our eldest dog. That was, we, we got from a breeder. So she went from like a hundred acre farm to our 1600 square foot apartment, but she's also a chihuahua. She's like completely fine. She's also old and lazy. So she's fine. She's not running a hundred acre field. Our other three, our other dog and the two ferrets, uh, the other dog was a rescue. She was in a very small cage and, not sure when to be adopted. So that was a rescue. And then the ferrets, I mean, people go to Petco, PetSmart now, and you see the size of the cage they were in. So the younger ferret that we have, when she wasn't very active when we got her, like she was even like sitting in our hands, like at the at the pet shop and just kind of chilling, hanging out. Dude, as soon as we got her home and like we're setting up the cage and everything, she's like bounding around and like, look, look up crazy ferret videos. Like she's bounding around, her back is all arched, which unlike a cat doesn't mean she's upset. It means she's super happy. She's like honking and making all these noises and like, you could just tell she was excited that she had, like, open area. Because for a ferret, 1,600, 1,700 square feet, that's that's a 100-acre farm. I don't know, man. I think Othello, as much as he's not looking at you right now, and as much as you want him to look at you right now, he is sitting in your Barca lounger. I think he's thankful. I tell myself that 700 times a day, you know. But it's just, I just think about, it's, it's the whole idea of, like, you know, no animal wants to be caged. Well, then you have to define what is a cage. And then... Mm-hmm. To bring it back full circle, I think of our favorite 90s adrenaline-fueled movie, which, of course, is greatly illustrated in Hot Fuzz, where he's like, Bad Boys 2, a point break. I don't know that. I guess we'll watch. He's like, no, which are we going to watch first? (laughs) And and then I think about point break, and he's like, I'm not going back, Johnny. I'm not not living in a cage, man. You got to let me go. I'm not going to paddle to New Zealand. Yeah, I I get that. You want to just, you want to have the option, I guess, to make a shitty decision or not. But to be fair, here in the East Coast, there are a shit ton of birds of prey. These motherfuckers would get nabbed up, ripped to shreds. And it's like sucks. The other day I was watching a YouTube video of it's live footage of a bald eagle grabbing a cat, picking it up, slaying it into its its nest, and then the his little baby eagle queens start tearing it to shreds. And yeah. part of me was like, okay, I can still see the cat's eyes are open. He's probably still alive. This is fucked up. But at the same time, I was beside myself with being in awe about how cool that fucking eagle stroke was. He just grabbed that motherfucker and then flew like three miles away like it was nothing. And I'm like, damn. Dude, dude have so you ever cool. seen, there's there's videos uh, of like Snoop Dogg watching nature videos. No, I haven't. So, oh my God, dude. Okay, I can listen to podcasts, but now no, watching okay. people and their reaction no. to watching other things, no, 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 that's no, no, a no. lot. But it's Snoop Dogg. And it's just, they're like quick clips. So you can probably find a, a compilation video on YouTube. Like it's, it's, it's just funny because like, He'll be watching something, something similar happen, like a hawk will swoop down and, and, gra- and like he's watching this cute little bunny rabbit and the hawk swoops down and be like, damn, nature, you scary. Like, because it's Snoop Dogg, <laughs> man. Like, he's just fucking awesome. Yeah. So, like, it's just, it's just crazy, man. Like, that's, that's the kind of shit that makes me laugh from time to time. Snoop Dogg, all this, this gangster, this thug, 
He's like, oh man, look at that little cute bunny rabbit. Oh hell, what the hell just happened? Like it's like if you've ever done that um thing where you watch people's live reaction to like the conjuring or something. And they're oh, like, yeah, oh yeah. shit, oh fuck, turn around. It's crazy. Oh my god. One thing I appreciate about you, Wham Bam, is that you definitely have a diverse amount of interests. Um, I do. You like a lot of things, and I find that you're probably one of your big struggles is finding time to satisfy all of your curiosities. Absolutely. So you stopped sleeping three years ago. How's that going? I'm on my third bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it gives you energy when you get to that 16th shot. Bro, not even kidding. I just had this conversation with somebody at work because they're, they're one of the few that knows that I do the podcast and stuff too. So, man, how do you find the time? And my big answer at work is people are like, well, I don't have time. I'm like, then make time. Like, that's what I always say. I'm like, then make the time. And I literally looked at him and I said, make time. And he, he kind of said it at the same time. He was like, I, I know... It's the whole like Jocko Good thing. I already know what you're going to say. You're going to say good. Well, I, I, mine's make time. He goes, so how did you make the time? And I looked him square in the eyes and I said, I reduce the amount I sleep a night. That's the only place I could make time. And that's a sacrifice I'm willing to give for right now. It's not a long-term solution, nor is it healthy, nor do, am I recommending it right now. But that is how I am squeezing a lot of this, this stuff in right now. So you got to make time. Update, audience, for the last 15 minutes, Wham Bam Cam's eyes have been closed, and I think he's just kind of sleep-talking, but he's making a <laughs> shit ton of sense for a man who's in the other world, the other dimension. So you just listened to a Chemo Hawk Session short. What was unusual about that one is I just was sitting there, and I said, you know what? It's going to be a while till I crank out another episode. I'm going to just do a short right now. Very little prep. I just started talking. With that impromptu, off-the-cuff soliloquy, what's something that you you took away? I try to like subvert what you're expecting. So everyone's talking about giving thanks. It's Thanksgiving. What was like one thing that registered with you where you're like, aha, yes, yes, Dr. Watson, that, that is the way of it. For me, it's more of a personal thing. I, I know, I know you more personally than a lot of the allies out there. For me, it's the fact that you did do this episode where you're giving some, some thanks to important people in your life because you don't do that very often. That's just who you are, right? Like, and so for you to stop, like, I'm not going to make an episode for a while. You, you know, like, you know, we were going to do this and, and we're going to try and get another episode of the, the basement party. Oh, dude, gonna, I was so excited about that script. You're, you're probably going to do, I haven't got to read it yet. So I, I will no see what I do. No um, you probably have another Baraska. Yeah, that's it. You got it. Darker okay. mile marker. Dar you probably have darker. You probably have another one of those with Red Devil coming up for you to be able to like, I owe them a Kimohawk session for you to do a short and to do what you did on it. That's what I took away, man. Like you, you were like, I need to take time right now to, to do this. And, and again, I always talk about time and how valuable it is for you to be able to just make that time right now. That's what I, I, I took away. I just thought that was incredible. I may have gotten emotional as well. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You're right. Like what you said at the commencement of this episode, I don't blow smoke. I blow bubbles. Like I blow bubbles when I'm taking bubble baths. It's fun. <laughs> what's really fun is you, you, this is what's really fun is you take a lot of X lax and you take a bubble bath. Sometimes those bubbles will start a bursting and you don't know if it's just from the reaction of the bubbles or from something coming from you. You don't know. Oh boy. Now, Mississippi mudslides for all. I don't blow smoke up people's asses. I, I, in fact, I, I'm often the one that's in a tough spot. That's why I dropped that quote that said, you know, if you can't think of something nice to say, we'll just be very intentionally vague. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I struggle. Like if I don't like somebody, for example, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a stranger, whether it's someone that serviced me at old Jiffy Lube. If I don't like someone, it's hard for me to pretend to be buddy-buddy with them. It's really hard. So when I watch these shows about these CIA operatives that snuggle up next to the enemy for six months to two years and then mm -hmm. ultimately take them down, I could not do that. There's no way in hell that I could pretend to be someone's best friend. Or it's or like a girl. Like, you know, you go on a blind date with a girl and she's sweet, but she's dog ugly. Just dog ugly. 
you're over here trying to be all like, yeah, huh, huh, huh. You're not attracted to her. You know, it's tough. So you try to be nice and everything, but then she sits a little closer to you. And before you know it, you jumped out of the fucking airplane. Who plans a blind date on an airplane? Are you out of your fucking mind? That's what I said when that happened to me the first time. You just released Audible Ally episode four. Yep. Lesson four just went out this morning. Well, I look forward to enjoying that over the Thanksgiving holiday. Very important lesson. This is a very pivotal. This is a turning point in Audible Ally. You know, you've gotten some baseline of who my dad was and some of the, the early very strong lessons that he instilled in me. We kind of skip a bunch of chapters to have this guest on and, and we're talking about the aftermath now. And so, and, and how did not only myself and, and a few short snips, but how does someone in a professional field who deals with death every day handle something so close to home? Uh, very good. Talking to her reminds me how goddamn smart she is. It pisses me off. And, <laughs> but it, it's, a very, it's a very good one. I, I'm excited to get feedback from that one. I want to hear what everybody has to say. Your sister, the medic, must really love you because, and I could be wrong, but she strikes me as someone that would have been a little bit timid, trepidatious, or otherwise slightly not inclined to record. Her voice would be out there for, you know, in the ether for all time. Maybe it comes more naturally to her than I thought, but I, you know, yeah. I just thought that it'd be something she'd be a little bit reluctant to do. All of us in the, in the Wham Bam family, man, we're, we're talkers. Okay. We're talkers. So she, she had no problem chit-chatting she even man this might make you go listen to the episode right now she got me under the gun at one point she told a story about me that i did not expect and it is out there in the ether for everyone to hear so go hear the embarrassing story of wham bam because wham bam cam flirts with his stepsister <laughs> no. that's okay though because they're a stepsister okay so here's the deal if you're thinking about starting your own podcast know that when you're editing a conversation it's a <laughs> motherfucker it's a motherfucker it is unfun it is okay. fun. So I was I was telling my wife about this. I was like, man, I was all excited. I had this this interview one. I know I didn't have to put as much into the lead research like before you you know you hit record and you're just talking to your, to the wall, right? Like you have to carry the conversation, so you need a lot of content, a lot of things to to discuss. But with an interview, you can have five to seven ironed out questions and follow ups, and have an hour and a half of content, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh yeah, man, I don't have to spend a lot of time doing that. Um, this, this will be really good. I'll be, able, I'll be able to record a couple more episodes, uh, this week and kind of get ahead of the game. And that did not happen because all of that time I thought I saved ended up coming back to me on the back end in the editing booth. Like I was like, Oh my Lord, this is not easy. <laughs> you know, everyone has a different flow. They have a different speech pattern. And so when you're looking at the wavelengths, you're like, uh, I don't fuck it. it, it. Corporal monkey dishwasher. Cock, 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 cock. I don't know. It was rough. I have chemo hawk sessions stickers now. And I have Chemo Hawk Sessions slash Falsetto Profit business cards. Well, um, your little sock dangling over the fireplace this Christmas. You, sir, might get some stickers and some business cards yourself to, um, I... to, to, to hand out if you if you so choose. Or you can just Absolutely. put them at the bottom of the barricade. It doesn't really matter. I know that you will put them to good use. Now, I'm excited because it, dude, these stickers and the cards, they've got the little, uh, what is it, QRL code where you just go boop with your phone. And QR code. Yep. Yeah, Q, QR. What does QR stand for? I no idea. Know. But I, I confuse QR with the URL, you know, as a yeah, 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 neurologist. Yeah. But yeah, so QR code, you, you just scan the QR code and it takes you, bam, straight to the uh, Chemo Walk sessions on Spotify. So it's pretty cool. I got it. I know what QR stands for. It's for people like myself who just mispronounced it. I'm a queer retard. That's what it is. QR. Fair enough. Queer <laughs> we'll go with that. Now, wham, bam. Um, I know that you, if you're going to tease it, you got to please it. So before this episode is concluded, I am going to share my goddamn hilarious story that I have been yes. sitting on since yes. early March, April of, uh, well, April of this year. I still have not voiced this story to the ether's ears. 
But before I get started on that story, man, is there anything you wanted to mention? Any shout outs, any reminders, any, any thoughts, any latent thoughts, any ambient realizations, procrastinated statements, just anything at all that's uh, kick, <laughs> kicking around up there? You know, it's funny you mentioned procrastinated statements. Uh, next Wednesday's Ottawa Ally episode will be called How to Procrastinate on Procrastination. It's going to be a good one. Wow, but, procrastinating, procrastinating. That's, mm, that, that, that neutralizes mm, it. And you're, you're doing things in a timely manner, aren't you? You like that, right? Things that I want to bring up, things that have been on my mind the last few days. So I, I alluded to it earlier. I'm working on a pretty deep episode, not only for myself, but things have happened in my life. Uh, and something happened this past Sunday to someone, uh, a celebrity that I've, I got to meet in my lifetime and, and was probably my favorite. His name was Jason David Frank. And he is best known for his role as uh, the Green Ranger in the Power Ranger series. And so I'm dating myself. Everybody will now know pretty much exactly how old I am. I heard about um, that. And he unfortunately committed suicide, mm. um, which rocked me to my very core uh, this week and really got me to shift some things around in my podcast. I've always had it on the books that I wanted to talk about suicide and it, uh, what it can do to a person and what you can potentially do to prevent or help. And so what I'll do, and then we're going to end with your awesome story because everybody should end with the awesome story. All I want to say right now is if you are down some sort of a dark path, I actually, I have a quote that I'm going to share. The quote I have, and it'll, it'll say what I want. Like, basically I want, if you feel like you're down a dark path, that you're alone, you're not. Find someone, talk to anyone. Hell, if you're hearing this right now, go find my socials. You can, you can reach out to me and I don't care because nobody should ever feel that alone, uh, that they have to do that. So the quote that I have, and I mentioned him in lesson three, Pyramid again in lesson four, and you're going to hear him again in a few lessons, but Uncle Iroh from Avatar, The Last Airbender, always had amazing quotes, and this is one of them that I'll, that I'll kind of leave, leave you all with. He said, you must never give in to despair. Allow yourself to slip down that road, and you will surrender to your lowest instincts. So don't give in to despair. You are stronger than that. Find yourself a strength, someone to talk to, some creative outlet, right? Make a podcast. Get your voice out there. You're not alone. And that's where I'll end my final thoughts for the day. That's a good one. I think the art of segueing from one topic to another is a real talent. And I find that when you and I talk, when we converse, I feel like even though we'll hop from one topic that's seemingly wholly unrelated to the next topic, we do it in a way that does not seem like we just slam the brakes on the car and turn that motherfucker around. That's right. If you, if you, if you <laughs> bastards don't stop bitching, I'm turning this bitch around. Okay, so you've heard the term flip the bitch, right? Everybody's heard yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever heard the term whip the shitty? No. There was a girl that I dated a long time ago, and she spent some time up in Chicago. She was actually a medic in the Navy. The medic might uh, be able to relate. But she said something once. She's like, oh, man, that son of a bitch just whipped the shitty. And I said, excuse me, what? What are you saying? She's like, oh, you know, whip the shitty. I Like, like flip the bitch, you know, like made a U-turn. I thought she just pulled that out of her, her buttocks to, to wow me or something. Yeah. Well, I'm watching that hilarious movie that came out about, I don't know, 15 years ago or more called Sex Drive. And it's got a hilarious James Marsden as the older brother. He's just a total douchebag and it's great. In that movie, they're driving up north, like they're in um, Illinois or something. And the girl's like, whip a shitty. And I'm like, holy balls. That is not made up. Like that is a real thing. So that was an eye opener for me. Full show. Now I do wonder about time management. So you understand that we're going to continue on this podcasting train full speed yeah. ahead oh yeah and you know though when we both procure playstation 5s we're then going to have to allocate our time between podcasting work relieving ourselves via a la dump and mm -hmm. then playing these horror games playing this gotham knights game 
playing these shoot 'em up, kill, kill, bang, bang games with Brother Brooks. So we're going to have to get very strategic and very lean six sigma with our time allocation, brother. Rohan, Broski, well, macaroni and I, cheese. I'm installing a new restroom literally two feet behind me. You, you can do it right in the chair. You yeah. see my TV right there. Um, the microphone's right here. Excellent, um, we, excellent. Can, we can we can record, play, take a shit all at the same time. Uh, I'm already ready. What, what's your problem? If you absorb the food <laughs> intravenously and then, you know, that lever that you pull on the recliner to make the legs come up, but all that does is flush the toilet. That's how you save time. And never shower again. You don't need to shower. Don't you worry about showering. That's a waste. why would I? Why would I need to leave the room? Your, you know, urine is actually sterile, so you can just splash some urine on your face. And you're That's what Patches O'Houlihan says in dodgeball. <laughs> oh, Patches O'Houlihan, <laughs> you you look like a retard trying to hump a doorknob. It's a poopy flavored lollipop, dude. That guy. But what's funny is the part, the two parts. I think I laughed at the hardest in, in dodgeball. The parts that people probably forgot about. It's when Vince Vaughn is. He just had a big letdown, and he's walking to his car in the dark parking lot behind the alleyway, and then that rip torn is sitting in the wheelchair. He's like. Hey, hey, ball sack, get over here. And he's like, okay, creepy man in a wheelchair. I'm, I'm just going to continue on along my way. I'm not talking to you. But then when they're talking to Lance fucking Armstrong and they're giving up, they're forfeiting. <laughs> yes. Lance Armstrong's like, hey, that's okay. You want to quit? That's fine. I didn't just win six sort of Francis with one testicle and suffer stage four uh, testicle. But if you oh want to quit, God. by all means. Yeah, by all means. What you're going through is worse. Yeah. Go. Speaking of, how's your main man, Testy, doing? How's Testy? Uh, doing good, man. He's, uh, Oh, Doug, he's doing good, man. Uh, been back at work for almost two weeks now. Uh, he's He's been crushing it, man. He is actually the guy that took over the role I just exited. So pretty Sweet excited sauce. about that. So that's a that's the we, we've alluded to this in Chemohawk. We've alluded to this in, in Whiskey Wednesdays. That's how you build someone up. Like, it's just an example, right? Like, I, I wasn't afraid of someone taking my position. In fact, I encouraged it. And there it is. And now I've got to move on by being selected to pick, go to another role. Everything works out. You don't have to be protective of your role in a career help others around you and good things are going to come for everyone how about that uh, crazy idea right oh man you're speaking nonsense i raise a glass for you doug you are dug in doug. like an alabama tick now we're going to have you on man i don't even know what you look like so this would be a blind date for me but wham bam swears by you so i hope you're enjoying these episodes please when you hear this segment when you hear this segment reach out to wham bam tell them exactly what you think and let's get your ass on here we can divert the conversation more to your talk of your ass here we go. And I want to know. I want to know what it's like. I want to know what your experiences are like because for my episode today, I had to kind of go down memory lane. I had to go mm -hmm. insane on memory lane and find some Mary Jane. I would like to know what your specific tailored for you experiences are. And no, man, that's a uh, man with Wham Bam Cam at your side. You know, Wham Bam's the kind of guy that will go out in the middle of the night to pull you out of the ditch. And then he'll hook the car off the, his hitch and then put it right back in the ditch and say, who else would have done this for you? Who else? Who else would have come out okay. here and helped you? That's right. And he'd be like, no one, no one at all. And he's like, okay, cool. Just checking. And then he'd, yeah. he'd reattach it and then drive your car back to your house for you. That's right. But he's going to make you earn it. <laughs> Wham Bam's going to make you earn it. All right. Nothing comes, nothing comes free. It's grass, it. it's grass, ass, or gas. Okay. Nobody rides for free. Okay. So the story, and at this point, it's kind of like when I told my dad how great of a movie Goodwill Hunting was. I spent like 15 minutes talking about how great it was. So when he finally mm -hmm. watches it, he's like, they cuss too much. I don't get it. What is this shit? But the story, so here's the story. So it took place in Austin, technically Cedar Park, and it was many, many years ago. I would say it was about 13 to 14 years ago. And I was there at a place, maybe you've heard of this place, Wham Bam, but it's a place called The Post, and it's in Cedar Park. And it yep. used to be a post office, and they converted it into a bar that serves beer, but they have a shit ton of like shuffleboard tables, and they have pool tables, and it's just yeah. kind of a cool hangout. But when I went there, so I went there with my childhood friend, uh, we'll just call her Angie, and she was married to a man named Ken. She had told me about this place because it's one of their, their popular go-to places. And what was cool about the post was you could bring your own liquor. So B-Y-O-L, or in 
Wham Bam Cam's case in mind, it would be BYOW. She had told me about six months prior to me being in Austin, she told me this horrifying story where she's there and she's probably sipping on, she doesn't like alcohol, so she's probably sipping on, I don't know, Diet Coke. That was her go-to. But she was like sipping on Diet Coke at the bar and her, you know, her husband was just kind of around and they were, they were mingling, they were socializing with various miscreants. And suddenly she felt hands, some type of north to south direction rubbing her hair. And she had like long, probably past shoulder length hair. Well, she thought it was her husband, but then she looks over and sees that he's like three feet away and totally distracted. So she's like, what the? So she whips her head around and what does she see? She sees this busted up five foot six trucker hat wearing yellow Santa Claus, disheveled, gross beard, black teeth, face wrinkled to all hell man that's probably 62 holding a Miller light in his hand with his Ugh. crusty yellow fingernails. And this is a man who just looks like he smells like shit and he's rubbing her hair and she just is in shock for about three seconds. What are you doing? She asks. You have, you have pretty hair. I just wanted to touch your pretty hair. She immediately recoils and she's like, Ken, Ken, get this disgusting man off of me. But she probably said it much more politically correct than that. <laughs> get this disgusting, <laughs> fucked up, toothless Santa Claus trucker hat guy off of me. And he just laughed. He thought it was funny that this nasty man was touching his wife's hair. Well, she tells me this story. Well, fast forward six months and we're there at the post. We're having a good time. I'm drinking. This is actually one of the times where some local offered to buy me uh, a beverage because he thought I was oh, in okay. probably the Marines. Well, I guess the Air Force would be cool. The Air Force gets good food. But anyways, I politely declined his offer. But there we are. And what happens when you drink about five beers and some shots? Wham, bam. What's the, what's the next place you have to go? I got to pee. Exactly. Well, before I go pee, Ange is kind enough to point out this disgusting Santa Claus reject who probably is a long haul trucker and he probably hasn't bathed in two months. She points this man out to me and she says, falsetto. Remember that story I told you about that disgusting man that was finger fucking my hair? I said, yeah. She goes, that's him. That's that disgusting piece of horse shit right over there. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, does this guy live here? A little time passes, a little time passes. I go, I got to relieve. I got a twinkle, twinkle, little dick. I got to go. Well, you get into this bomb shelter of a bathroom and there are three urinals and one stall and just a courtesy hole serving as a sink. There's graffiti all over the walls. There's flyers up from concerts that ended like six years ago. It's pathetic, but I got to pee and it's going to be a stream. That's going to be a steady two minutes. You're really letting it out. You're letting it, you're letting it go full force. If a cop shined his flashlight in my eyes and said, stop peeing or I'm going to kill you. Sorry. I guess I'm going to go. Here's my will. <laughs> Let me hand over my will and testament there, Brohan. So what do I do? This is what I always do when I go to a public restroom. If there's three stalls, I pick an end stall because I figure that a nice halfway decent, socially mature motherfucker that comes in there will pick the other end, thus affording us a urinal buffer between us, right? So we don't have to see each other's dicks. I am at the far end, which in retrospect was dumb because it also traps me, mm -hmm. but I'm about one minute into my two minute piss stream. So I'm halfway there, halfway home, almost to the point of no return. And the door is kicked open violently. We're talking about like a SWAT team raid on a bunch of illegal Puerto Ricans or something. Okay. It's bad. The door just kicks open. Bam. It hits the wall. And I look at my peripheral because if I turn my head, that's going to draw attention to myself. Plus I'm focusing on what I'm doing, which is trying to get it all in the pot. Right. But I turn and I look a little bit through my peripheral and what do I see? I see this jean jacket, Santa Claus, yellow bearded, toothless fuck holding a Coors Light can this time. And he just kind of rumbles in there with his bow legged. He looked kind of like Robert Duvall in a Western with his bow legged ass. 
Okay. He walks over. Uh, 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 oh no! And he walks over and he gets in the, the urinal right next to me, right fucking next to me. Are you kidding me? Like if you go into a movie theater and it's empty and you sit at the top left of a, of like six hundred seats and some fucker comes in there, walks all the way up and sits right next to you, that's how I felt. Violation. I don't care if it's a new Predator movie. I'm leaving the theater. I ain't putting up with that weird shit. I'm pissing. I got about forty five seconds to go in my steady stream piss, and this fucker just gets right next to me. And he just drops his pants violently. I feel like if he wasn't holding them with his left hand, it would just be a naked Santa Claus next to me. Oof. He puts his cores down on the little three-inch stoop that's on top of the urinal. And he just starts shooting it like it's Duck Hunt. Pow! His, there goes his... <laughs> and I'm just thinking, okay, keep your eyes straight. Do not draw attention to yourself. Just finish your business. I'm not, I'll am not. i tell you right now, I'm not washing my hands. I'm just getting the fuck out of here. Because when you're washing your hands, that's another 30 seconds of bullshit that you got to put up with. But I'm pissing. He's pissing. And suddenly I hear him go... Hey, hey. And I'm like, I'm not looking at you, Santa Claus. I've already made my Christmas list and I'm on the naughty list this year, but I'm looking straight ahead. Hey, you want to know? You want to know why I don't wash my hands? Oh, no. I'm like, I'm not answering you. Oh, no. Me. I don't see you. You're a ghost. You're no. a fucking ghost. Pistol Santa Claus, trucker hat, toothless man. You want to know why I don't wash my hands? I don't oh. answer. And he doesn't care. He takes a swig. So he takes his, he takes his left hand off of his jeans. His right hand is clearly on his gonads and his shaft. He takes his left hand, so he temporarily takes off any pressure on his jeans. He takes a swig of his Coors Light, and with a, with a Coors Light can in his left hand, dick in his right hand, jeans, I'm just hoping for a miracle that there's not some wind draft that knocks those things to the ground. <laughs> he goes, he, he like wipes the, the beer residue off of his crusty-ass beard. He goes, because I got a clean dick. And I'm thinking, oh. I'm thinking a lot of things right now. I'm thinking, okay, you, you don't wash your hands because you have a clean dick why are you telling me this why did you wait and if you wanted to tell me this why not tell me out there around other people when there's when there's light and there's exits you wait to corner me in this dark windowless bathroom and stand right next to me and reveal yourself to me with your saber and all and tell me about how clean your dick is dude i just i i pinched that shit off i pinched it off hard and i, I probably forgot to even zip my fly up i was so quick to get out of there mm -hmm. i left i left in a hurry mm-hmm so that man, I hope he just had wow. a seizure right there. I hope he did. Probably. Never, never to never to bother another man, woman, or child again. But as I sprinted out of that fucking bathroom, and now I know how a girl feels like when she's on the elevator with a creep, like the elevator opens, but it's not even her floor. And she's like, okay, bye. And then she's going to walk her ass up like three flights of stairs and heels <laughs> just to avoid another awkward situation. As I'm walking out of this terrifying fucking bathroom, something occurred to me. I can be an angel of brightness. And Angela's terrible, terrible life. So I walk to Angela, who's standing there at the bar with her husband, and I tap her on the shoulder. Now remember, I didn't wash my hands, so in a way, I feel I still feel a little bad about that. Like I touched her with with clean, dribble fingers. But I said, "Hey, hey, 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 Ange." She's like, "Yeah, what's up?" I said, "Listen, if I can make you feel good and tell you something that's going to make you so happy, you owe me a beer." And she's she's one of those people. She's no fun. She's like, "Let me hear what you have to say first. I'm not committing to anything." I'm like, all right, fine. I'll tell you. Remember that nasty, buck-tooth, Santa Claus, crusty-bearded, disgusting-smelling fuck that assaulted your follicles about six months ago? Remember how concerned you were and you washed your hair as soon as you got home after that event because of the traumatization that you you, you suffered? She's like, yeah, yeah. What about it? Why are you bringing it up now? I was having a nice fucking evening. I say, no. relax. I say, listen, oh, no. I've got great news for you. Yeah. That Santa Claus wannabe, that homeless Santa Claus, that's the best person that could have touched your hair. I can tell you for a fucking fact, hand to God right now, he touched your hair 
right after pissing in the bathroom and I can guarantee you he didn't wash his hands. Do you know why I know he didn't wash his hands? Because he's got a clean dick. That man has a clean dick. He never washes his hands. And that is exactly what was touching your hair. Getting it all in there real deep like. And she's like, what the fuck? What are you saying to me? I don't understand. Hey, I just had to deal with some trauma myself in that bathroom with that man. And you owe me a fucking beer. Fuck you. We're leaving right now. Ah! And then we burn that motherfucker to the ground. That's what happened. All this to say, <laughs> the post makes a great post script on making people who have had their hair raped feel a little bit better about being them. So enjoy that. Enjoy that oh wham God. bam. Enjoy that. Oh. Did you like that? Was it everything you wanted it to be? It was great. Oh, and nice. I haven't I haven't heard that story. Oh. I, I thought so last week when you were telling, thinking about stories. I was like, well, maybe it's one I've heard. No, that one's fresh. That's brand oh. new. Oh, it's fresh. All right. If my I'm a little disappointed. Rancid. Oh, God. So. No, it was clean. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was so clean. So, you know, so, but from that, you know what I took away? Is I feel like I have kind of a clean penis myself. So I, I don't oh, think I've washed oh, my no. hands in about 13, going on 14 lies, years. Lies. Never washed my hands. Absolutely. I just lies. pee on my hands and I rub them <laughs> together really fast. Hey, you can ask the medic, but pee is in fact sterile. It is sterile. Uh, All right. Well, thank you, audience. Come both correct and in your respective seat erect for your next auditory window into Whiskey Wednesdays with Wham Bam Camp with your next Whisk Wed session. If you sip whisk and colorful pills pop, then poor you will not stop. You'll get flagged by a motherfucking cop. And if you don't stand straight the fuck up and wipe off your chin slop, then you might get dropped. Boom! And you'd only have yourself to blame in this weekly Whiskey Wednesday game. Cheers, audience, to imbibing liquor sin, sober world tuning out, Whiskey Wednesdays tuning in. Stick around for your next auditory concoction, Sixth Wednesday. Now, remember, this is going to be a very, very special episode. We are taking next Wednesday off, but we will be coming back for December 7th for oh, yeah. Sixth Wednesday, Whiskey Wednesdays with Wham Bam Cam, Whiskey to Victory, special December 7th edition. Balsetto and Wham Bam Cam out.